When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Sacra to McDavid on the right half boards. Dishes Hall, one touch, wrist shot, score! Leon Dreisaitl, power play goal, 6-2. Oilers in the Rexall finale. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, we got a game night at Commonwealth Stadium, a mock game that is for the Edmonton Eskimos. Inside Sports, Reed Wilkins with you live from the home of your Grey Cup champion, Edmonton Eskimos. They're going to get this one going in about 10 minutes. Fans, welcome to attend. It goes until 8 o'clock. And then don't forget Eskimos Fan Day tomorrow from 1 to 3, well, 1 to 4 at Clark Park. They'll be uh, on the field from 1 to 3. Autographs from 3 to 4. Eskimos president and CEO Len Rhodes will join us later on tonight. Plenty of hockey talk as well. The draft combine continuing. Matthew Kachuk. Will the Oilers take him fourth overall? Will the Oilers trade that pick? Who knows? So much to discover. The first round of the draft is three weeks from tonight. Matthew Kachuk spoke to our Jack Michaels. We'll have that interview for you. Bob Stoffer is going to check in as well. Oh, the Stanley Cup final resumes tomorrow. The Sharks back on home ice but needing to win a couple of games on their home ice to get back in the series. Play-by-play voice Dan Rusinowski will join us tonight and this is going to be great. This is going to be great. Harna Ryan Singh. He is the play-by-play voice for Hockey Night in Canada. Punjabi edition. Kellen Kennedy is back at the studio. Uh, Kellen, do we have the, uh, did you see in the file there the, uh, the Connor Sheary Overtime goal call by uh, Harna Ryan. Yeah, I got it. Do you Let, want me to play it? Yeah, let's let's hear that now. Here we go. Goal punching by Connor Sheary. The shot by the Sharky. The goal. Connor Sheary. That's great. The voice behind that call is going to be on the show at uh, 8.05 tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Of course, our open line is 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. I'll keep you updated on what's going on uh, with the Eskimos. Dave Campbell from our Eskimos broadcast team will join us in a little while as uh, well. want to dive right into uh, some interesting rumorage. From Pierre Lebrun of ESPN, Dave Campbell's laughing at me. That's a word. Rumorage. It is now. It is a. It is now. Rumorage. <laughs> you should trademark that. From the Rumorage mill. I should. From the Rumorage mill. <laughs> well, we wouldn't have to say mill. It would just be from the Rumorage pile. <laughs> okay. Uh, Pierre Lebrun of uh, ESPN 
saying this today. I believe Milan Lucic would be open and warm to the idea of an offer from his former team, uh, from his former GM Peter Shirelli, now with the Edmonton Eskimos. Dave, we got to turn that one. Uh, we got to turn yeah. that one down. I think. Uh, I believe Lucic would be open and warm to the idea of an offer from his former GM Peter Shirelli in Edmonton. This is uh, if Lucic unable to work things out with the Los Angeles Kings. Well, this is an interesting can of worms, isn't it? Um, I mean, we've talked about this before, Lucic being a free agent coming up, and certainly the type of player that the uh, Edmonton Oilers could use. Uh, I I mean, he's uh, coming off a 55-point season, 20 goals, 35 assists. He played all 81 games for the LA Kings. He does have a couple of 60-point seasons in his past when he was with the Boston Bruins. We know he can play a little nasty. We know he fought Darnell Nurse this past season, 79 penalty minutes. Um, He's one of those guys that every team... Would like, and and the reason he's valuable is, I mean, look, his point production, you know, solid, 55 points is good. Not a top line player, but solid second line production. Um, but a guy who, and this is this is what I've said about guys, is, it, it, look, scoring goals obviously valuable. Nothing more important in the game of hockey than a goal. But on the nights you don't score, can you impact the game? Right? On the nights that you don't score, can you impact a game? And I think Milan Lucic is one of those guys, if his name is not on the score sheet, he can still find a way to impact a game. Territory, possession, physical play, sometimes even physical intimidation, fighting, all that kind of stuff that some of the Oilers players who are point producers... Uh, don't consistently bring. So, Lucic is going to have value for a few more years, right? I mean, he's coming off a season at the age of 27. Again, 55 points. His uh, latest contract... Sorry, just uh, having some internet problems here. First game at Commonwealth Stadium. No, I'm, I'm okay, Dave. I'm okay. I don't need constant supervision. I don't need constant supervision, just partial supervision. Uh, <laughs> they've uh, kicked off in the mock game, by the way, so i got to keep an eye on this, too. Milan Lucic coming up uh, to be an unrestricted free agent. So, I mean, this is a guy at, at the age of 27. I mean, he's going to be looking for, what, five, five and a half, six million dollars per season, 55 points this past season uh, in 14-15 with Boston, 44 in 13-14, 59 points. He had his peak back in 10-11 and 11-12 and where he had 62 and 61 points respectively with 121 and 135 penalty minutes. So, I mean, look, if, if, if Lucic is out there, clearly he's a guy the Oilers have to look at, right? So, The, the thing is, what happens then? I mean, this, there are a lot of ifs. So we, let's say he doesn't go to L.A., doesn't stay with L.A., and the Oilers want to take a look at this guy. What happens on the Oilers' left side? you got Taylor Hall at $6 million a season, right, for four more years. 
You got Benoit Pouliot at $4 million a season for three more years. You've got Patrick Maroon for a couple more years at $1.5 million, and you got Matt Hendricks for another year at uh, at $1.85. And then what if they also, here's the big what if, what if they also draft Matthew Kachuk? I mean, this potentially could really shake up the left wing position on the Edmonton Oilers if if they decide, if Shirelli decides to go down this path, especially if he decides to keep the number four, draft Kachuk, and go after a free agent like Lucic. Because if that happens, you're not keeping both Hall and Pouliot. And if you're not keeping Hall, then I would have to think you keep Everly because there's not as much there on the right side, especially if you're assuming that Yakupov isn't going to be back, and I think most people are assuming that at this point. So... You can let me know what you think by texting 63630. And we got time for open line if you're so inclined, 780-496-0063. So Lucic, I think, is a better point producer than Benoit Pouliot and probably, you know, probably a guy who can more consistently impact games. Now, Pouliot's a valuable player. Don't get me wrong. I think he did a lot of good things last year when he was healthy, played well with McDavid, as a few guys did. Um, but there are times you don't notice Pouliot and, uh, okay, you know the whole offensive zone penalty. Certainly Lucic is going to take penalties if he's your lineup as well. They might be of the more uh, aggressive variety. So this is the thing with the Oilers, and I know there's been a lot of talk, and I know there's been other reports that, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins might be the most likely Oiler to get traded. And I think this is what you have to remember about Peter Shirelli. We're talking a lot about individual moves. He's, I think he's looking at moves in combination. Right? He's looking at moves in combination. Much as he did last summer. Right? Boyd Gordon is traded for Lori Korpakoski. Mark Letesti was then signed as a free agent. Some of the moves on defense, you know, trades with Toronto and Ottawa, Marincin out, Griba in, different organizations involved, but he's wheeling those around. Got Chris from Phoenix on the line, 7804960063. Chris, first of all, what is the temperature there today? Uh, well, I don't know if my car is right, but it's reading 116 degrees Fahrenheit, so that's what over like 45 degrees or 44 or whatever. So, but I got my AC cranked up and uh, so I'm okay. <laughs> all right. It's it's preheat, you know. But you guys were talking about yesterday. You guys would rather rather it be minus 41 than 41 above. Yeah, I I don't like minus 41. I don't miss shoveling snow. If I want to cool down, I can just go up to Flagstaff and it'll be like 30 30 degrees cooler. So I'm good, which is north of Phoenix. Okay. Um, this this whole Milan Lucic thing kind of open up opens up a can of worms and. And a lot of the Taylor Hall haters, I guess, are happy right now because then, you know, they can, they can put uh, Hall on the first train out of here since uh, there's some people that hate Hall, I guess. I don't know why. Um, the, the thing the thing is, is, is we got to address the defense first and, and then then go from, uh, from there. But uh, if we do add Lucic, he makes us a lot harder to play against, and that's what it, that's what it boils down to. Because the crop of forwards that we have right now, uh, minus say uh, Maroon and uh, that's really about and Cassian, we're not hard to play against. And you add a Lucic, uh, you essentially make it that much more difficult. He, he's one of those players that you have to circle because he's going to bring in pretty much every single night. 
uh, the, the writing's on the wall for Pouliot. I, I don't. I, to be honest, regardless of uh, of uh, it, it, becoming available, I wasn't thinking that uh, that Pouliot was going to be here come the beginning of the season anyway. So that uh, that takes him out. Um, but the problem is, then who do you trade away? If you, I don't sign Lucic for more than six million a year. To me, it's five and a half to five point seven five million, and, and that's you know that's that's pushing it for me because you, you're going to put way too much money into the forward group, and then you have to trade somebody away. So then, who do you trade away? Do you trade away uh, an Eberle, and that opens up a big, big kind of hole on the right side because we don't have really any good right wingers, right? Well, that's uh, right, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, you can it, you can stack up the left side or bring in another left winger. I mean, even if even if the Oilers if hypothetically the Oilers didn't change anything in the off season, we know they will. But if they hypothetically didn't, what's going on on the right wing? Right? I mean, Cassian's going to play a depth role. Yakupov has proven that well. It's been proven about Yakupov that coaches don't really trust him, and and he and he doesn't score near the rate we were hoping. And uh, you know Everly can certainly score goals, and I'm fine with being with Everly being on the roster if he's if he's with line mates that maybe do a little more of the the forechecking and the banging on that line. So you're right. I mean, if 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 they go out and acquire Lucic and and they were to draft Kachuk or even if they do one of those things. Then you wonder if Pouliot, or if he if he goes and looks at the big move and shops Hall around. If if this is the way he's thinking of going. The the only way you shop Hall is if you're getting somebody like say like and, and, I, and I know I'm gonna laugh at, but the only way you shop Hall is if you're getting like a PK Subban in return because you're not giving away because Hall is is um, is anywhere from I'm gonna say a 70 to 80 point top end. So you know. If I'm the Oilers, somebody made up a made up a made a comment. Uh, if you were, if you had a choice between say a Lucic and an Ocposo, I would essentially go after Ocposo because that kind of shores up your right right side, and you can have uh, possibly Eberle and Ocposo as your top two right wingers. Because uh, because more than likely, unless we get a screaming deal, the Oilers are drafting Kachuk, and Kachuk is a big body, and I think Kachuk sort of plays a similar role minus maybe the fighting. That a Lucic plays, I'm not too sure because I'm not a big uh, junior kind of guy. But it, there's, there's a lot of questions. The good thing, the good thing is, is we're actually talking about some of these big names. And let's face it, Lucic is a big name UFA. It's talking about big name UFAs. All right. Kind of- we still got you, Chris. We might have lost them. All right, but no, Chris from Phoenix. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I, I mean this this is an interesting can of worms, and that's that's the thing about Shirelli coming here as an experienced GM. Not only does he have experience making moves, there are connections to other players. I mean, Louis Erickson, another guy that talked about who who played who played for Shirelli in Boston. You know, could that be a relationship that pays off when it comes to free agency? I'll catch up to some of your uh, texts here coming into 630-630. The open line, 780-496-0063. The Eskimos mock game also underway. We'll get an update from Dave Campbell after the 630 News. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, J.C. Sheriff, there he is on the field. Middle linebacker for your Edmonton Eskimos. So they're doing some scenarios here for this mock game going until about 8 o'clock tonight. Is that Lynch in it, quarterback, Dave? No, that's Mike Riley. Well, that is Riley. Yeah. Well, i got to work on my eyesight. I can't <laughs> see the number. Uh, <laughs> One and three. There he is, dropping back. Yeah, a little uh, out pattern complete. 
This, that was so. See, they're running certain scenario type plays. So that was a second and 15. So they put them in. They put the offense in a difficult situation, or they put the uh, defense in a difficult situation. By the depending. way. By the way, you made Morley nervous because you called a play and he's sitting here to my left. He got a little nervous. About what? About that you called a play in front of him. But uh, it's okay. It's, it's your oh, job. Trust me, it's fine. It's your don't, don't worry about it's still that. still your job. Eight days, yeah. buddy, down in Calgary. <laughs> uh, Dave, I'll do more with you after the news. Sure. I just want to catch up on some text here. Um, DB says uh, Lucic is already slow. He'll be 28 next season. He's going to lose a step sooner rather than later. I would avoid the buyer's remorse. Uh, the Big L says uh, pretty easy. You just trade Pouliot if you add Lucic to your roster. Uh, another texture says Ocposo over Lucic all day. Well, that's another interesting one. I mean, we're talking about Lucic because Pierre Lebrun and his, his report specifically uh, said that Lucic would be open and warm to the idea of an offer from Edmonton if it doesn't work out in Los Angeles. But, yeah, I think Ocposo would be a pretty valuable player for the Oilers as well if they could go after him. Uh, DB also saying Montreal also has a left winger, Max Pacioretty, who flirts with 40 goals a season. Hall would not be a primary need for them. I know the, uh, Chris from Phoenix brought up the uh, Hall for Subban discussion that has been out there. Uh, another texter says... Uh, uh, Pouliot is a far better point producer, lacks grit, though, can't stay healthy. Well, yeah, Pouliot's not a better point producer than Lucic. I mean, Benoit Pouliot has never had a 40-point season. Now, he hasn't finished the last couple of, well, pardon me, he hasn't played 80 games the last couple of seasons when he's been with Edmonton. He had 34 points in 58 games, 36 in 55. So about the same ratio. I mean, if, so if he plays the whole year, he's getting around 50. Lucic had 55 and 81, and he almost always plays uh, a f very close to a full season. He was limited to 50 games in 9-10, where he only had 20 points. But, I mean, this is a guy 55, 44, 59, uh, the lockout season 27 and 46. So he's, you know, he's easily over half a point per game. And uh, Pouliot, not always at that ratio. So... Uh, this texture says, why, why are we talking about forwards? We need D. Look, man, we're talking about this because Pierre Lebrun brought this up. And if you think one defenseman or two defensemen is going to fix the Oilers, you're wrong. Because this is a, this is a team that is, is still far away. I, I, I mean, just imagine this team without Cam Talbot this past season. Because they, their, their, win, their point percentage wasn't much better with McDavid in the lineup than it was was out. I think it was about the same. So this team needs more jam up front. And, and let's face it, if they're going to trade forwards to get D, maybe you got to find other ways to bring in forwards, and maybe free agency is, is how that happens. So it's all, it's all got to fit together. I mean, look, if this team improves by one or two defensemen, I gotta—I hate to break it to you, even though it's it's June 3rd and we don't know what the roster is going to look like, it, I don't think this team's making the playoffs next year. I'm going to say that right now, even if they get better on defense by one or two guys. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. More hockey talk ahead. Stoffer's going to join us. Eskimos president Len Rhodes as well. Dave Campbell standing by too. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630K. And that gentleman just made a great catch on a deep 
post pattern to get the Eskimos offense out from the shadows of their own goalposts from about the uh, about a 30-yard catch from the 10 up to around the 40. Mike Riley delivering a perfect strike over the middle as the Eskimos play their mock game tonight at Commonwealth Stadium. And the first-team offense uh, currently putting together a pretty impressive drive here against the uh, first-team defense. Now second and four from the uh, 49, the, the defense 49, so the positive side of the field for the offense. Now Riley forced to scramble and dump it off underneath and a big gain here to get to the first down. Not full tackling. You kind of got to wrap a guy up to bring him down. Who made that catch there, Dave? That was uh, Corey Watson. Corey Watson. Man, he didn't uh, play as much as we thought last year, did he? Uh, no. I, I thought he would have a bigger role. It, it took him a while to kind of get his feet wet here or, or get comfortable here. I think the final six games of the regular season and the playoff games, West Final, Grey Cup, I thought he was really good. So, And this is a this is an offense that may have three receivers, uh, Canadian receivers and two imports, uh, American receivers, instead of the traditional three and two or four and one alignment when you see American to Canadian receivers with that ratio. So it's possible that you could see three Canadian receivers line up as their starters. All right, this portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. The Blue Jays in Boston tonight, 3-1. The Blue Jays leading in the top of the fifth. The Stanley Cup final resumes tomorrow at 6. We'll have game three for you right here on 6.30, Chad. Game four Monday at 6, so no Inside Sports on Monday as Riley goes to the end zone and Watkins able to tie up Walker cleanly on the play, and uh, the ball sails over Walker's head and out of bounds. There are officials on the field. They have been calling penalties. They're trying to run this at a, at a regular pace game, so this drive stalls. They started the offense uh, on their own 10, and they got down to the uh, 20 on the other end of the field. So now it's a field goal time here for uh, Sean White with Jordan Lynch into the game to hold. I'm pretty impressed with the tempo of this mock game so far. Yeah, me too. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, I said I said this uh, to Jalen Nye on the afternoon news, it's not going to be the tempo of a game, but it's definitely going to be the tempo, uh, more, more tempo than a practice. And it's been pretty good so far. And the defense in the beginning, they had uh, some good success. Uh, first team offense led by Mike Riley struggle until this drive. This drive started on their own 20, ended up with a 24-yard field goal successful by Sean White. And then uh, we haven't seen much from James Franklin when he was out in the field, and, and same with uh, Jordan Lynch. But Thomas DeMarco, Thomas DeMarco, ex-backup of the BC Lions and the Ottawa Red Blacks, he was able to drive the troops from his own 20 down to the 20-yard uh, line of uh, the uh, defense. And he hooked up with uh, a fellow by the name of Brandon Zilstra, who was out of Concordia. But he is six foot four, 220 pounds, and a big play just broken right here. Was that McKnight? That's Joe McKnight. All right, now he's, he's interesting. Yes. Uh, talk to him today. We'll get to that a, a little bit later on. Speedster went to USC, so you know he played at a, at a at a major college. He was coached by Pete Carroll while he was at USC. Uh, in the NFL, had had a big game with the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and then in practice, uh, tore his Achilles. And he's basically been out of football for a couple of years. So in Edmonton, trying to to make a comeback, might return kicks as well. But he showed good a good burst and a good ability to cut there on that run. Yeah, absolutely, and and there, there's spot there's spots open on special teams, especially in the return game, and and Joel McKnight is someone that can return the football. And last year and the year before, Kendall Lawrence handled that job, so there's an opening. And Joel McKnight, All Pro in 2011, led the AFC in kickoff return yards, so he definitely 
Mike is a dangerous returner. You got Jacoby Ford, who's around. He spent some time in the NFL, uh, uh, most notably the Oakland Raiders, and uh, he was successful as a returner. So, uh, and could you know there could be a scenario if Joe McKnight makes the team, maybe he sees some offensive reps too. So, uh, so he's looked good. Uh, Darius Bowman has looked good tonight, yeah. and he, you know, I was talking to Morley Scott about it early, uh, earlier, uh, or just before the mock game started, and Bowman had an early drop in training camp, I think on Sunday, and he hasn't dropped a pass since. He has been excellent, uh, and you need that from him. Uh, Chris Getzlaff dropped a long pass over the middle uh, in the uh, second or first or second possession by the first team, so, you know, that's not good. Corey Watson put one on the ground, so it's, you know, tonight's the first test. I, I can't see any cuts coming, maybe one or two, before the uh, before the uh, game next Saturday in, in Calgary against the Stampeders. That's the first preseason game. That's the biggest test that's that this team will face after uh, after tonight here. So, but I agree with you. The tempo's pretty fast here tonight, and there's been not full-fledged tackling, but there's been some there's been some good physical play here. And subtle, you know, it, it it's subtle, but. James Franklin not quite on the mark. No. Nope. And I know he won over a lot of fans, and, and it was during Matt Nichols' up-and-down tenure there filling in for, for Mike Riley. And, uh, you know, Franklin pulled a couple games out of the fire or helped cement a couple of games. Yep. And, you know, they, they a couple plays ago, he, he missed a, an, an out pattern on second and six, but they called a, an illegal contact penalty. And right there, he did a good job recognizing, a, I think that was an eight-man blitz coming there from the defense. And Franklin picked it up and threw it to the right guy, but just sailed the ball over his yeah. head. And that's a subtle difference. And we saw Riley on the pass drive be much more accurate with the yeah. ball. Yeah, for sure. And when, when the Eskimos signed Thomas DeMarco before their minicamp, I think it was the day before their minicamp started in Florida, I thought that was a very interesting signing. I expected at that point that James Franklin, you pencil him in at, at number two behind Mike Riley, um, DeMarco would reasonably... Uh, compete with Jordan Lynch for the number three spot, but I, you know, I also felt too that you know Demarco has experience in this league. He has been a backup quarterback uh, with the BC Lions back in 2013. He played some games and had some success with the Red Blacks in 2014. You know, it's a veteran that can push James Franklin. And from what I've seen in training camp so far in the practices, I think Franklin has looked good. I think Demarco has looked good tonight. Clearly. DeMarco has been the better quarterback uh, outside of Mike Riley. So I find that number two job maybe, uh, you know, interesting. You know, it may be, it may be up for grabs um, if, uh, you know, we see the continued success of Thomas DeMarco in this training camp. Grant Shaw, was that from 46? Shaw from 40, 41, Morley? Shaw from 41 missed that one? Okay, yeah, the uh, the second-team offense, Grant Shaw kicking the field goal there, missed wide right. So, uh, Riley, uh, so, uh, so I mean, Riley's lining up with Bowman, Walker, Getzlaff, Kuhorn, uh, and right now McCarty and, is that Shavers or Bell in the game? That is... 24, I think? I believe think? that's Akeem Shavers, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now, now, now I know why you guys bring binoculars <laughs> to help you call the game. My seats here are actually a little a little closer than yours. So it, it, just from the little bit I've seen, I, I do see a, a variety of passing patterns being utilized 
over Probably the middle Jason too. Moss, yeah, and going over the middle. Now Bowman didn't hang on to that one. Bit of little, let him a little bit too much. Not a not an all-out drop there by Bowman. But you know, I want to see this team test parts of the field more often than they did last year. I think Moss has that mentality. I think the frustration with Steve McAdoo, uh, the offensive coordinator for the last two years, is. There were too many times he was throwing to spots in the field that were, you know, around the sidelines, between the, the numbers and the sidelines, and stationary targets, right? So, you know, with Jason Moss, he had two receivers. Well, he had four receivers over 1,000 yards, but he had two lead the league in yards after catch. So there's more emphasis on getting the ball two receivers moving in space, let their athleticism uh, take over. So, And, and this offense and the, the offense that you saw here the last couple of seasons under Steve McAdoo, there are similarities to it. It relies on the quick, short passing game, but I think Jason Moss wants to attack deeper areas of the field, especially that intermediate area. It almost seemed, Reed, that the intermediate area was ignored by Steve McAdoo. They did go deep. They did go short a lot, but the middle, the you know, those 10 to 15 yard plays or 10 to 20 yard plays, they weren't around very much under Steve McAdoo. And I think they're, they're definitely in the playbook of Jason Moss. Yeah, well, you know, I love that part of the field. A second and 15, long, long bomb for Darrell Walker about 21 inches out of his reach, deep throw down the left sideline for Mike Riley. And yes, I can tell that exact distance, everyone. <laughs> From, uh, standing, well done. from standing up here. Uh, Dave Campbell is going to check in again a little later. Morley Scott is here as well. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports live from the Edmonton Eskimos mock game at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. And uh, earlier I sat down with Eskimos president and CEO Len Rhodes. All right, Len. Well, the countdown continues to the season, and this is an exciting uh, weekend. we got the mock game uh, going on and a big activity for the fans tomorrow. Yeah, the uh, mock game uh, going on is the first one. And I know uh, Jason Moss wants to get more activity during times that would take place during the game. And games don't occur in the morning. So uh, <laughs> that's what the intent is there because there's so much on the psychological side that matches what goes on the physical side. And then, of course, fan day, a uh, little modification, 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. That's always a great one because it attracts families. Uh, kids come out and there's so much going on and it's a, it's a little party for everyone. It's free entry. And uh, when you buy food and bevs, actually it's free, but donations go support the stallery. So who can argue with that? Well, and I mean, the Eskimos have always been heavily involved in the community and obviously you guys are stepping up along with the, the Oilers and other organizations for, for fire aid, which is, which is coming up. And, I mean, you guys played a game, two games in, in, in Fort McMurray, so it's an important part of, of the Eskimos' recent past. And uh, the, the stories coming out of there are just heartbreaking, incredible. Oh, it's, you know, we do have an emotional connection, Reed. Um, playing there last year, they opened their house literally to us. And uh, we were displaced from Commonwealth Stadium, and we were so lucky to find that partnership. I never thought it would come back full circle in the way that it has. But uh, it's nice to know that for now it's our turn to open up our home to them, Commonwealth Stadium, the home of the Eskimos, and uh, Fire Aid Concert. I'm co-chairing that with uh, Bob Nicholson from the Oilers and Tim Reed from Northlands. And really proud of it. I hope people turn out because for starting at $30, uh, you can get a ticket, st spend the whole afternoon and evening at Commonwealth Stadium and know that all your money is going to a great cause, the United Way efforts and the rebuild. But it's all about connecting people. I was having a beer with uh, the president of the Brick, and he was saying, we've got to get refrigerators up there. Uh, can you help me? I said, well, I know the mayor, and I called Melissa Blake, got them in touch, and 
facilitated the whole thing. So it's about people helping people because we're all two or three uh, dots away from getting what we need to get done. It's about people collaborating. All right, and, and the, to spin this into another musical discussion, uh, last time I saw you was when you guys did the unveiling of the, of the uniforms. Man, you guys just went all out for some of the acts coming to play at halftime this season. Flo Rida, I'm a little too old, I guess, but, but I guess he's a big deal. <laughs> he is, and I, you know, uh, if you think you're too old, think of me. But it's, it's about listening to our fans, and specifically, we said we're going to the 20 to 30-year-old demo a little heavier this year, and uh, through focus grouping, and basically just asking people what they want to see. And uh, they almost uh, uh, assumed that we couldn't get a big act like that. And we said, well, it seems to be Flo Rida wants to be uh, one of the uh, ones that people want. So uh, we put the money where the mouth is. And then this one, it costs money. But it's to the stature of Grey Cup. It's a halftime entertainment that's going to wow people. And there's been a lot of buzz around that. And we have uh, more of a local group, USS, that's coming as well. And that is a little more niche, but uh, really talks to that fan base. So we want to go as far as we can, being a little more aggressive with the 20 to 30-year-olds without alienating our current fan base. But there's a way to do things. And course additions in the stadium and as I look out my office and uh, this week they've been completing the uh, Coors Light party uh, deck that's a cool neat thing and I hope people turn out I know they will because people keep telling us especially in the younger demo we don't want to be strapped to our seat for three hours let us be free so uh, this is a stand-up area so for those that complain if they have a seat <laughs> we're giving them a stand-up opportunity <laughs> it's reverse psychology but it's we'll give them what they want <laughs> Eskimos president Len Rhodes joining us on Inside Sports tonight um, the, the, the schedule has six of your first nine at home uh -huh. which which is which is different obviously I'm being polite there uh, <laughs> does that does that does that change has that changed your marketing approach for the season at all well, uh, Reed, it's a great point. Uh, we're front-loaded in terms of the first part of the season with a lot of home games. On one side, it's great because the weather's more conducive to uh, having uh, good turnouts. But it does put a lot of pressure in the sense that we better get the results we need early on, otherwise we can't catch up. We, we live in this crazy business model where you only have 10 home dates for all of your revenue to come in in a year. And knowing that there's so much at the front end just made sure that we had to, in the off-season, get our act together. And uh, we put a lot in the stadium. As we look out the, uh, at the stadium, you're seeing a lot of great capital projects going on. And uh, I think we're, uh, it bodes well for where we're headed. I think we should have a great season. We uh, are at a good pace for season seats. I'll never be happy until we have 40,000 plus in the stadium. But in the meantime, uh, it's one by one. And the fans are responding well, even with an economy that's rough right now. Look. If you've lost your job, uh, we get it if you can't renew a season seat. But if you have a job, this is the best darn value in town. All right. Len, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of the mock game, and I'll see you at Fan Day tomorrow. Thanks, Reed. Look forward to meeting the fans. That's what it's all about. And as we wrap up that interview I, I did a little while ago with Len Rhodes, Mike Riley gunning another one deep. Was that looking for Chris Getz laugh? New Edmonton Eskimo coming over from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, Riley put the ball over the defense, but uh, Getzlaff couldn't quite hang on to it. So, yeah, a variety of, of patterns, different depths of patterns today being run by the Eskimos receiver, which is definitely something to watch for as uh, we move into this season. The Eskimos uh, open the preseason a week from tomorrow in Calgary. 
And uh, two weeks from tomorrow, the uh, only home preseason game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, of course, it's tied into the Porkapalooza Festival. You can go to the Eskimos website for more details there. Bob Stoffer from the Draft Combine in Buffalo coming up after 7. You're also going to hear from San Jose Sharks play-by-play voice Dan Rusinowski. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Harna Ryan Singh at 8.05 tonight. The Hockey Night in Canada Punjabi play-by-play voice. He's been getting a lot of attention and well-deserved lately. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 6.30, Chad. We're live at Commonwealth Stadium. Mock game for the Edmonton Eskimos as Grant Shaw is wide right on a 45-yard field goal. And uh, he's missed a couple today from long range, Dave. Yeah, he's had the long kicks. He's had a 46, and this was a 45. Sean White is connected on a 27-yard field goal and also on a 24-yard field goal. So have we had a touchdown today? We have not. No, we have not. Had a we have not. We've had, we've had a couple long drives, especially by the first team <laughs> offense, led by Mike Riley, but no one's been able to find the end zone. All right, uh, this is going until eight o'clock. That's great. All right, that's correct. Yeah, it's been that's good. Right. It's been it's, yeah. it's been more like a real game than I thought. Well, I know it was called a mock game, but it hasn't been a mockery of a game. Uh, no, it's been it's been pretty good pace. There's there's no excessive time between plays. Uh, the different units are getting out there quickly. There is not full tackling, but there's wrapping up and there's certainly hitting and blocking along the offense. Line. Uh, Bob Stoffer is coming up after 7 o'clock. He, Jack Michaels, interviewed uh, Peter Shirelli today. The full interview on the Edmonton Oilers website. Here are a couple of more uh, interesting cuts. Speaking of trade, going back to 02, you were with Ottawa at that time. We're at the draft in Toronto, and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning traded the fourth overall pick for Ruslan Fedenko. Now, he helped them win a cup, but given the expansion coming this year, has that changed? Potential. The- potential the inevitable expansion that's going to be coming or the potential of it uh does that change the dynamic with some of the picks knowing that you don't have to protect that player that you draft this year you wouldn't trade a pick right out of say the top 10 knowing that's a good player that you could carry forward well that's a lot of stuff in that question stuff um, <laughs> i think you're used to that by yes, now. and you thought the player interviews um, were um First, just on trading the pick, I think with all due respect to any previous teams and regimes making trades, yeah. I think the fourth for Fedotenko is something right. that we wouldn't do. Right, okay, right. So rest assured, fans, that we. Uh, but um, you know, they. So as far as expansion planning, we've like we're kind of into the full planning right. mode. Um, you know, there's there's right now there's kind of two approaches you can take uh, based on the the kind of thumbnail sketch of rules that they've given us and and we're but we're not kind of overtly planning. We like that's that's a secondary and we look at you know how our major our primary plans get impacted by expansion. Right. We're not expansion isn't driving us yet okay. yet yet, but it certainly is part of the planning. Um, and you know, if you're referenced to you know, like these these players that we pick are are, are, are going to be exempt from right, the, so, right. You know, again, that that's something that we look at. I mean, I think I think the maybe the bigger thing is is that to to build uh, to build a, a successful playoff team, you have to have cheaper, younger players too, right, right. regardless of expansion. So that's something we're looking at also. Peter, there's been so much discussion about potential discussions you're having right now. In your experience. 
when do those kind of hit a crescendo and when can you actually start formulating a plan for the draft or can it really change right up until the last minute how well, do you handle it, it? it it's just kind of a continuous thing jack yeah um you know i think i think things come to a head a little bit at the draft because you know there's a lot of assets you know the draft picks that you can that you can uh, put into play um it, you know, it's just, I, well, all I can tell you is that I've had a lot of discussions here. It's, it's, this is another useful tool for a general manager because most general managers are here. We're all in the rink. We're all within walking distance of each other. It's a very casual environment, so it's a good kind of uh, breeding ground for those discussions. We'll continue to have them, but there's no real crescendo. It's just, it's just a constant dialogue. Some thoughts from Oilers general manager Peter Shirelli. The draft three weeks from today, 6.30, Chad will have live coverage from Buffalo. We're live at Commonwealth Stadium for the Eskimos mock game. Don't forget fan, game, uh, fan day from 1 to 4 tomorrow. Next door at Clark, Bob Stoffer from Buffalo at the Combine is next. 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.